Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear. My guest today is David Schenberger. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be here. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself, about your background, and what led you to where you are today. Well, so I... I'm what I like to call a non-traditional student. So I joined the Navy right out of high school and then went into the consulting world as a technician and did the college at night and online and finished up my degree while I was working for, you know, after I came to work for CAI. So uh, came to work at CAI 22 years ago as a assistant project manager, and I've done just about every role with the company. So I've worked in operations. I did some regional management. I've been in sales, I've run projects, did some operations work, and now I'm leading our marketing department. And I also lead our group of senior consultants. So have have a dual role at the company right now. Okay. And you are the VP of marketing there. I am. Okay. So now I know that you put a lot of time and effort into thought leadership and specifically measuring the ROI of thought leadership, which makes total sense. And I think the answer to this is maybe kind of obvious, but I want to ask it anyway. Why is it important to measure ROI when it comes to thought leadership? It's, you know, it, it sounds self-explanatory and everybody says, oh yeah, we need to know if we're getting uh, payback on our investment. First I'll say it's, it's really hard, but it also is, is critical if you want to know how you're spending your funds wisely and nobody has an unlimited marketing budget, everybody's trying to do the most with the least. And mm -hmm. you have to know if you're hitting the mark with your thought leadership. And if you're not, then you need to adjust, find a different channel so that you're, you're being a, you know, a good steward of your funds. So for whether it's we're an employee owned company like CAI, or if you have shareholders or you're, or you're a sole proprietor, you still want to make sure that whoever whoever's funds you're using, you're using them wisely. Okay. And so really, when it comes to thought leadership, ROI, it's no different than anything else. You just want to know what, what are we getting from this, given all the time we're putting into it? Yeah. Is anybody reading this? Is it having an impact on the market? Are we, are we moving the, the dial? CAI has always seen ourselves as you know cutting edge in the industry, driving the industry toward a more efficient, more effective uh, future. And if we're not hitting the, that mark with our thought leadership, we're not making an impact that we definitely want to, you know, make some course corrections and, and go in a different direction. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to ask you about CAI. Just say a few words about what you guys do. So we're an engineering consulting company. We've been around for a little over 25 years and we help our clients get their products to market faster. So we're focused on manufacturing and quality and the intersection of those two often is operational readiness. So helping our clients be operationally ready, starting their manufacturing plants up on time, being compliant with the with pharmaceutical regulations, and being able to deliver safe, effective products to their clients, often you know just in time to save lives. So it's mm -hmm. it's it's really really interesting business to be a part of, and we're out there in the manufacturing plants getting these this equipment up and running and making you know hopefully making a difference in patients lives and in our clients um mm -hmm. success yeah okay very cool all right so back to back to thought leadership so we're talking about measuring the roi of thought leadership how do you do that 
Well, it, it, it's a challenge. I, and I'm not going to say it's easier that we're, we've got it all figured out. We're in the process of implementing uh, Pardot and Salesforce. And, and there we've, we've found some really good tools that we think that are going to, it's going to be able to help us be a lot more effective in, in calculating our ROI. So we line everything up as a campaign in Pardot. It allows us to track interactions with our content. And then those leads get connected directly to the opportunities that, that progress through Salesforce. So as we've brought this on board, it's really allowed, gave us a bigger picture of, you know, the, or a total picture of how, how the thought leadership is making a difference, who's interacting with our content and what they're doing with it. And then if, if we can convert them to a sale later on, then that, that gives us, you know, a solid ROI calculation. Okay. Can you give me a specific example of how that works? Sort of take me through that process of publishing something and then measuring the ROI. Like, what does it look like? So we use we use a couple different tools to interact with our clients. We have some microsites that are separate from our website that produce leads as well as our website. So I'll just use an example of someone interacting with content on one of the microsites that we subscribe to. And we get that contact information from from there. We load that into our system. We track where that lead came from, what uh, piece of content they interacted with, and then connect them with our sales team. If the, and as, they, as that develops then into an opportunity and into a sale, then we can calculate you know, what we can start looking at. Oh, this piece of content has driven five opportunities and three sales. It's helping to build the funnel. This other piece of content you know, 20 people have looked at it, but no one, no one has really been interested in moving to an opportunity or even having a conversation. So that, that type of interaction, you know, people like to read this, but that doesn't really drive a lead. Maybe, maybe that's, there's an ROI on that of just setting our brand expectations. And we try to assign something to that, but the real calculation of is when we can convert that lead to an opportunity and then how many opportunities become a sale. Okay. Makes total sense. So, you know, sometimes a thought leadership campaign can take time to mature or maybe you need to tweak it right before you really start seeing ROI. And sometimes it just takes time, right? To get out there. So how do you know when that time is? Like, how do you know when to say, okay, this is not working. Let's pull the plug and move on. And how do you know when to say, let's just give it more time or let's adjust a little bit and see what happens? Well, I think we know that we have a long sales cycle and sometimes it can be as much as 18 to 24 months from the time, you know, somebody starts interacting with our content to, to there's actually a sale. So we, we do know that, that we have a long sales cycle. We try to shorten that as possible, but sometimes that's just the reality of large capital projects. So I, I would say we just, we just keep paying, we pay attention. And if there's people interacting with our content, we're going to let it, let it go. If there's interaction without much response, you know, as far as people are looking at it, but they were not, we're not really getting follow-up, then we might go and, and tweak it a little bit and say, all right, well, maybe, maybe there's just not the connection there. There's not the right call to action. There's not the right information for them to, to want to have a conversation with us. So what, what adjustments do we need to make to the content? You know, and then, and then we would also maybe go to a test where we might have the same content or similar content up in two different places, maybe change some of the graphics, change some of the layout and see if we get better interaction that way. Yeah. Okay. So 
another question, I probably should have asked this up top, but when we're talking about thought leadership in terms of content, do you see pretty much all the content you're putting out there as in one way or another thought leadership? Or is there some content though that's specifically thought leadership content and then other kinds that's not? That's a great question. I, I think that there's a lot of different types of content. So when we're when we talk about thought leadership, we're talking about information that we're putting out to industry about how to improve industry, how to do things better, sharing information. And there it's not specifically commercial, you know, it it but it's focused on how to how to solve certain problems, how to how to help industry, how to move the industry forward. And that's very different from a case study or a an ad that's specifically talking about a service we provide. Okay. Even though even though we try to make our ads informational and sharing information, they're still an ad and they're still selling a service. Thought leadership, we you know, we define that very differently and and try to keep a lot of the commercial aspects out of that. Yeah. Okay. I think you, you kind of have to, right? Yes. In order for thought leadership to really work, it can't be about you. It it's got to be, be credible. about everybody else. It has to be about the industry. It's got to be credible and people have to relate to it and be able to take it back to their, you know, to their desk and to their day job and use it to solve a problem or make their, make their job easier. Yeah. You know, I saw a study by Edelman and LinkedIn about thought leadership content. And I've mentioned this on a few different podcast episodes. And one of the takeaway stats was that thought leaders value thought leadership content, no surprise there, but that they 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 only rated just a, a very small percentage of the content they can, that they consume as like very high quality. And the rest of it was, you know, somewhere below that, like basically mediocre. So why do you think that is? Like, what is it that separates the really good thought leadership content from the stuff that just kind of blends into the noise? Well, I think, you know, part of what just what we just discussed, right? There are too many people are tempted to put commercials mm. and and promote promote themselves in their thought leadership instead of th- thinking about what what the customer's looking for, what problem they're trying to solve and and addressing it in the voice of the customer or the voice of the product. I, so I think that's number one. And and I also think some people try to write thought leadership like they're writing a college term paper. Mm. And <laughs> And it's not interesting. It, it's it doesn't engage. It doesn't tell a story, uh, and it doesn't pull people in. So I, I think those you know those two things, you have to make it engaging and make somebody want to want to read that white paper. And you know people, they want to be you know they do want to learn, but they also want to learn in a way that's engaging and entertaining. Often they're doing this on their off time, or they're doing this you know mm-hmm. to get ready for something, and and they. They need the information. They want to get it in a way that helps them retain it. And you, you have to write in a voice that is engaging, but not salesy. Yeah. And easier said than done, for sure. Right? <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Yes. And, and I mean, even if you're not being salesy, you know, even if you're not mentioning your company or your products at all, it still can be hard to write in a way that really is engaging and that has some spark and personality. You know, like I say this as a former teacher of writing at in at the college level that it's you know writing is a very specific skill not everyone is good at it in fact most people are not good at it which 
it's kind of a whole other topic. Like, how do you, you know, do you need like a trained writer on your staff? Maybe, I don't know. I guess it depends, but like connecting with people through the written word is not easy to do. One of the things with thought leadership is you often need a subject matter expert to, you know, to write in a way that's, that shares enough information that's going to solve, you know, solve that problem or provide the, you know, the information that somebody wants to read. But at the same time, subject matter experts like to like to show everyone how much they know right when they write and so you you know i i think there's a difference between having an, a writer on staff and an editor on staff and mm. you know you're the expert so maybe i maybe you could talk a little bit about that but <laughs> i don't think that every person that's a good writer is a good editor and being able to edit sure. somebody effectively and keep their voice but but you know punch it up a little bit as they say in the movie industry uh mhm is is a is an interesting skill that that's also very hard to find sometimes. Yeah, no, I I agree. It, you're I agree. Not all writers are good editors. Although I would say most editor most good editors are also tend to be writers. pretty good writers, right? But it doesn't necessarily go the other way. And so yeah, I mean I think that's one good strategy that you pair the subject matter expert with an editor who can then kind of, you know, turn whatever turn the subject matter experts prose into something a little more readable, something like that. I mean, another strategy would in fact be to have an editor and, and also a writer, or maybe the editor can be the writer and do it more like the editor interviews the subject matter expert. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. You know, you're, you're still getting the voice of that subject matter expert, but it's being crafted by the person who's trained and, you know, in making writing really readable and engaging. So we haven't done we haven't done a lot of that. We've done we do some of that with our case studies and some of our blog posts, but we haven't done a lot of that with our long form content yet. But that's that's certainly something we've thought about. It's an idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe it would help. Well, anyway, so what's your advice for marketing teams that value thought leadership, but they want to get better at measuring the return? Where where do you begin? You know, I I think I think you just you start with a couple of metrics that you're looking for and, and figure out, you know, what, what your goal of your thought leadership, you know, where, where's your problem in your sale, what problem and what level in your sales funnel are you trying to solve? Are you trying to fill the top? Do you need more opportunities? Do you need influencers to close, you know, to close deals? You're having trouble, trouble closing deals and, and figure out what, what your objective is, you know, I think that's, to me, that's the first step is understanding what you, what you want your thought leadership to do. And for us, you know, it, it's been about filling the top of the funnel and redefining our brand. So that's that's where we started is over the past few years, we've wanted to redefine our brand a little bit. So we consciously moved our thought leadership to really focus on where we wanted our brand to be seen. And and that's so we've, you know, that's how we've defined and started trying to track our, you know, return on investment ROI for that, as opposed to simply leads in sales, although we do track those, you know, mm -hmm. we also are looking at how are we to being successful in redefining our brand and how people see us as a company. Yeah. Great. Love that. So David, how can people uh, reach you if they want to connect? I'm on LinkedIn, David Schenberger. There's not, there's only, as far as I know, there's only one other David Schenberger in the okay. country. And uh, so you can definitely reach me on LinkedIn, David Schenberger or uh, david.schenberger at cagents.com. Okay, very cool. Well, we'll put that information in the show notes. And David, thank you so much for your time for a really great conversation. I liked it. 
Jeremy, I really appreciate it. It was it was fun, and hopefully after uh, COVID and everything, we can grab a drink or a coffee sometime. That would be nice. All right. Thanks again. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.